Hello everyone, welcome to Mortally Wounded podcast episode 35. This is part D, the final part in our Cities of Sigmar super series. And tonight I'm once again joined by Simon Hall. And finally, for the final show, we managed to get hold of him. He is Samuel G himself. <laughs> Smorgan, how are you doing? Well, thank you. How are you, Chris? Straight you out of Simon? lockdown. Mm-hmm. Straight out of lockdown, yeah, not Compton. <laughs> yeah. While, while England's going straight into lockdown, or is that too real? Yeah. I feel like it's not just England, it's no, the rest it's Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But we're uh, doing pretty good down here. <laughs> yeah, finally, let's just get that border open to Queensland. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I am well, thanks, Sam. Um, how are you? Good. I think that's the second time you've asked me within the first two minutes. That's that's oh, excellent. I, if we... I, was hoping, I was hoping for more than good. It's it started good off with how are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? How are you, Sam? I'm good. So that's a good that's a great start. There, we're we're professionals here. I'm I'm good too. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. No. How are you? Uh, I played a game of Warhammer yesterday, Chris. It was fantastic. It was the first game on the table in almost six months. I've I'm so keen now. I've got the bug. You know, you get the bug. Yeah. Um. On I drove back and it's about like a 25 minute drive, and I reckon I I probably just like mentally wrote about. 20 lists in 25 minutes. I could do yeah. this or I could do that. So I'm um, super keen to, to jump on and talk about cities tonight. That's what we wanted the answer to. How are you, Sam? There we go. And Simon, <laughs> how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. As Good. always, I've been told this week I'm getting two new cities, so it means that I can forget about Phoenician once and for all and put my energy into other cities. But it's just a narrative campaign. What, what do you mean? <laughs> so let's do it let's kick off without without any more delay we are covering the final three cities of the book so we'll be going through amblegard hollow heart and then tempest's eye so amblegard simon i know this is kind of your thing at the moment so do you want to take us through the uh traits and what makes amblegard amblegard i would love to and apologize to anyone that listened to me talk on the honest war game like literally probably 18 hours ago where i waxed lyrical about this list but i had a few wines on board and i love this this city now after hating it for the better part of like a year so uh let's start so anvil guard um the battle traits so the anvil army must be from akshi and so that means essentially that you can only have the blade of what's the blade called you guys are narrative nerds what's the the sixes do an extra hit blade the incandescent rage blade that one. Um, so you can take that as an artifact. I don't, I'm not sure if it has a place in this city, but you can. Uh, but the reason why you're taking Anvil Guard, besides that you're a Dark Elf player of old and you still haven't bought any new models since 8th, um, there are illicit dealing. So essentially Anvil Guard is like a, it's a shady port and there's lots of crime that, that occurs and your army is built on the back of crime lords. So... Uh, to have power and influence in Amberguard, one must know the right people. In battle, the city commanders call upon these contracts to give them every advantage they can glean. Um, so when you choose an Amberguard army, you can profit from one of the following benefits of illicit dealings. So the best one is the first one, which is the black market bounty. One additional friendly Amberguard hero can bear an artifact of power from the Amberguard artifacts of power table. So an extra artifact without uh, having to take a battalion, which is good because the battalion for this city is shit. Uh, the second one is dabblings in sorcery. Uh, one additional friendly Anvilgard dragon, Charybdis or War Hydra can have a Drake Blood curse from the Drake Blood curses table. Um, 
commentary on that one is that please don't anyone ever take Charybdises or Hydras while they cost 170 or 180 points, whatever they are at the moment, they're not worth it. Uh, and then finally is Hidden Agents. So you receive D3 extra command points. So you, you're obviously going to be taking the first one or the last one um, in a standard competitive list. Um, and I'll come back to why that's good um, a little bit later when we get into the command traits. The other thing that you get in the city is Drake Blood Curses. So essentially they capture really weird monsters um, and they have extra... Um, so Dragons, Charybdises or War Hydras can have a, a Drake Blood Curse. Um, you can roll for it if you want, but I probably wouldn't recommend that in a competitive game. Um, I'll go through them now because that's one of the battle traits. So the first one is Acidic Blood, which I think is the best one. Uh, you roll a dice each time you allocate a wound to this model that was inflicted by a melee weapon and not negated. On a 4+, plus, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound. So if you put that on, like in the list that we'll talk about later on my Black Dragon, you've got 14 wounds on average. If something kills you, they've taken seven mortal wounds in return. And that isn't even taken into account if you can heal it as well. Uh, the second one is Jutting Bone. So after you make a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this model and roll a dice. On a 2 plus, enemy suffers D3 mortal wounds. So it's not bad, but to get the same level of output as Acidic Blood, you need to charge three times in a five-round game, essentially. So it's good but as a second choice, I think, but I don't, I don't think you'd take it as the first option. And then finally, Fell Gaze. Uh, subtract two from the Bravery characteristic of enemy units while they are within 12 inches of any models that have this curse. So that one... You don't really have much play on bravery in Cities of Sigma. It's not like, say, um, uh, Realm Lords with their bravery bonds. Um, so I don't think that one's got really got a place. I think you're going to take one of the first two, and I think Acidic Blood is obviously the standout of those ones. That's a really interesting one because under the old GHB, that was my pick as the best of the three. And the reason is across Anvil Guard, you could get a heap of bravery debuffs, and then you could run six flayers as um their mercenaries and that was a really really strong unit that could run around screaming and could use your bridge and all sorts of other things uh, but they've gotten rid of that and the other thing they've done that's punished anvil guard this ghb is they've stopped after saves from stacking because one of the artifacts here is a five up save against wounds and mortal wounds so that coupled with the phoenix's four up native against wounds and mortal wounds meant like a frost heart could be almost unkillable or you could have a flame spire that dies and then jumps back and you've got to get through all of those all those wounds again. Yep. Hot, well, actually, hot, take, hot takes, Morgan. You can still do the Flare Bravery Bomb. It's in hell? forbidden. Those mercenaries are in forbidden power. They're still legal. Oh, is that is that so? Yep. That's Oversi nice and convoluted, Oversi isn't it? Oversight, but still legal. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, that's still. I think that that's still a really good um, trade if if you're introducing other bravery debuffs across the list. Obviously, in isolation, Neg Two is not that impressive, but if you can get it to like Neg Seven, uh, then it becomes really good. Yeah, chucking a Horogar for thirty points. Um, yeah, or yeah, Purple Sun as well, because you've got yep. the benefit of being empowered in cities as well, so you can yeah. be able to move move them further and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, it's not bad. The it's interesting the switch I've had personally because I, I always used to just go straight for jutting bones because you're like I'll do damage, do some extra mortals, like fine. But then actually, after seeing some games with like the mechanic against the new like Nurgle Rotbringers where every time a model dies on a two up it does a mortal wound back, I read that and was like, oh, it's not great. Especially like you're reading it for Nurgle because you're like, oh, Rotbringers are all blight kings that are like three or four wounds. So few not models, yeah. Yeah, it's not that great. But then actually I've seen it in play, like Simon, when you played in Aventis, 
took like five mortal wounds back just from killing a unit of five blight kings and you're like actually stuff that does mortal wounds for being killed is actually really valuable because stuff it, it becomes harder for things to hit you and take objectives off you if they end up killing themselves and stuff like that so i actually i'm really starting to value that kind of mechanic a lot more but yeah simon yeah, do you want to take us through uh the next part yeah let's well Morgan already talked about the relics, so let's talk about the artifacts of power for the city. Um, so the first one, again, in descending order, these are probably best to worst. So the first one is the Dregscale Cloak, which you should always take as your first artifact, um, which is roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to the bearer. Uh, so it's a true like ward save. So on a 5+, plus, that wound or mortal wound is negated. Um, Second one is Venom Fang Blade. So pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack is made with that weapon um, is a six, it inflicts D3 mortal wounds in addition to any normal damage. Um, and then finally, the Asphyxia Sensor. So at the end of your combat phase, roll one dice for each enemy unit within three inches um, of the bearer on a four plus eight unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So again, the, the sensor's not not that great because you need to be, it's in your combat phase only um, and it's only a four plus. So if you're in combat for two out of the four of your, or two out of the five of your combat phases, you're doing D3 mortal wounds for the entire game. Um, the other two, so the Drake scale is obviously the best. Um, I think that's a standout for the city and it's actually probably one of the reasons why you'd want to run this city um, with a big dude as your leader. Um, and then the Venom Fang Blade, uh, it has, has pocket utility is what I'll call it. Um, so I'll, I'll explain that when I go through my list a little bit later. If one of you guys wants to do the command traits, stop them from hearing my voice. Yeah, sure. I'll quickly go through that. Um, I think the most common one is, um, the first one, Black Fang Crime Lord, uh, cause it lets you take two of the illicit dealings, um, benefits from the table above. So essentially you can pick to get the extra artifact and you can start with D3 extra command points. Amazing. Uh, so pretty good um the second one slayer of monsters you get plus one to hit and wound rolls for attacks made by this general that target an enemy monster it's not bad because it's just attack so it works in shooting and combat so if you can get something pretty good and i think you'll see more monsters so it's not bad getting plus one to hit and wound built in against everything um and then the third one secretive warlock so if this general is a wizard, they know all the spells from the lore of dark sorcery instead of one and if they're not a wizard then they know one spell and can attempt to cast it so it kind of depends what you're building into, but I think the one you usually see is the Black Fang Crime Lord, but there could be some play within Slayer of Monsters. So you guys probably spoke about this on the earlier episodes, but I think that that secretive warlock, they missed a trick. Um, it would have been really great if they just made the person a wizard because then the, the phoenixes would be able to buff themselves. But as it stands, the, if you give it to the phoenix, it doesn't actually trigger its plus one armor save thing. Uh, and because the phoenixes are fast after turn one, they might not actually be close to your wizards anymore. Um, so I think if, if they just made a minor tweak to that one, that one would go up in my estimations. But at the moment, it's pretty crap. Yeah, we spoke about it for Phoenician because you could technically make, um, if, the, if it made it a wizard, then your anointed on Phoenix could be a wizard itself and give itself plus three to uh, plus one to its armor save. Yeah. yeah. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, they've they've played keyword bingo with this one and decided no, these guys aren't allowed to be wizards. So uh, I'll go through the spell laws because um, they are. I think one of the. Oops, Sorry, I think one of these is the reason why you play this list as well. 
so the first one is sap strength, so casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 18 that is visible to them. Subtract one from hit rolls until the start of your next hero phase. So on a six, really good. Um, the sorceress herself has uh, that spell basically built into her war scroll, but with the addition of D3 mortal wounds. And hers casts on a, is it a seven? Yeah, so on a seven. So you can stack those two. So you can make something, you know, minus two to hit, which is actually really good. Uh, the next one is Shadow Daggers. So Shadow Daggers has a casting value of seven. If successful, pick one enemy unit within nine inches of the caster that is visible to them. That unit suffers D6 mortal wounds. So again, like short range, but super potent spell. D6 mortal wounds on a seven is nothing to sneeze at. But then finally, the standout of the bunch. So Vitrelic Spray um, has a casting value of eight. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within six of the caster that is visible to them. Uh, until the start of your next hero phase, that unit has a save characteristic of dash. Ah, best spell in the game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty clutch. And right. I know that when I was building my list, you build around that. Because six-inch range mm. is shit, obviously. But thanks to Malign Sorcery... Um, we've got a, a way around that to touch anyone with it anywhere on the board, which is Umbral Spell Portal for you playing at home. Yeah, which, yeah, it you look at it straight away and you're like, oh no, six inch range, that's really bad. But obviously, yeah, cities with all of their endless spells being empowered, that means that the portal can be put anywhere on the board. So it's virtually impossible to zone it out. If you've got loads and loads of bodies and spent hours with spacing, you could maybe do it, but not really. And you'd, you'd be hamstringing yourself way too much to even try. Um, so really, the the downside is that it needs an 8 to cast, and the highest you can get as a bonus is plus 2. So you still have to roll a 6, and then obviously there's more stuff in the game that's got high unbinds or even auto unbinds once per turn. So it's going to struggle a bit more to get through. But if that spell gets through, it's pretty. It's it's basically game over to anything in the game unless it has like an insane ward save instead of an armor save. Um, but it's it's a pretty amazing spell. Like that, how quickly damage adds up when stuff doesn't get an armor save. I think it's kind of you almost need to see it happen once to actually understand how crazy that is. Yeah, so I use this to fairly good effects against Ash McEwen uh, using his Gargants and got it on one of the, the big guys that was, I can't remember what they're called, they're all, they all look the same to me. Um, but 35 wounds when you've got, you know, Dark Shard shooting or Phoenix Guard hitting, something like that. Uh, you know, the 4-up armor save is actually fairly relevant on those models, but when they don't have an armor save at all, they just melt. 35 wounds isn't that difficult to do with, you know, 30 Phoenix Guard. Yeah, exactly. Something that normally, like, even if something's got no rend, you're like, you can have loads of shots, but actually it's going to half your output. So to do 35 wounds, you need 70 shots, which becomes quite hard to do. But then if, actually, if you've got a unit of 30 dark shards that makes 60 shots, you can probably get enough pluses to hit and wound or whatever that you can put through 35 wound rolls. And that's just 35 wounds, whereas normally it would only be 17 or 18. So um, just taking away a save is so powerful. I want to do at an event the is it the Vexalor who's the teleport banner? Yeah, Vexalor nine hurricanes, and um and this spell through the spell portal. So you're investing like probably nine hundred points, um. But I think that that would just be beautiful. <laughs> just tele teleport them ninety shots or whatever it is, eighty one shots. Um, you can get them to threes in in cities, threes and fours. So what's that? You're probably doing about forty damage, no saves allowed. 
um, which I, I just think that that'll be heaps of fun to to pull that trick off. Yeah, I think I think the best unit probably in terms of not investing too much is um, crossbows. Just oh, yeah. They're, yep. they're so easy to get to twos and twos, mm-hmm. and they're sixty shots for a unit of thirty for three hundred points, and the, they've got. The, the range is range. insane as well yeah so I, I crossbows is the way i would if i was going to be building an ample guard list it's just basically what's the most efficient points cost that you can pay for number of successful wound rolls and i think uh, dark shards crossbows <clears throat> no because dark, dark shards wound on fours so half of them drop off so yep. i think i think it's the crossbows twos and twos um it's um cut. it's def it's definitely 30 witch elves with the brew but then um, you've got to get them into combat. So the, the shooting's so much better because you don't have to be in base-to-base. Yeah. So that's that's the spell law. And, yeah, this this city is pretty much all around vitriolic spray most of the time anyway um, because if you, if you get it off, it's basically game over, I think. Um, but it's not super reliable um, by any stretch. But it's, um, I think there are still ways to play around it and still make a strong list. Um, I think the only thing we've got left to talk about is the command ability, which is actually really good when it comes to the table. Um, so that's yeah. just make an example of the week. So you can use this command ability at the start of the Battleshock phase. If you do, you pick one friendly Am- Amble Guard unit, wholly within 12 of a friendly Amble Guard hero. One model in that unit is slain, however... In that phase, you don't have to take Battleshock tests for friendly Amble Guard units, wholly within 18 of that unit. So, like, you can just have a bubbled unit of Dark Shards or whatever it is. You kill one, and then they project an 18-inch bubble from themselves for your whole army, basically, to be immune to Battleshock. So it's it's really good. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Because you spend one command point to make one unit uh, immune to Battleshock, or you can spend one command point to essentially make your entire army immune to Battleshock. And especially when that that unit is just like a sacrificial unit of like bleak swords or something that's also your retinue. You just stab them and your entire army is basically immune to Battleshock. It's, it's such a good command ability. Yeah. Um, okay, do you, do you guys want to talk about any standout units for this city? Um, and then Simon, I think, do you want to take us through an example list? Yep. I'll just... I don't... I think in this list... So, Shouting out in this list as opposed to others, there's two things that that stand out to me that I enjoy playing in this list. The first one is the Dreadlord on Dragon, um, which is in my list. So essentially, because he can take a Drake Blood Curse and you can give him the Acidic, acidic Blood Drake Blood Curse just by taking him in the list, um, and you can also give him the Drake Scale, Drake Scale Cloak in this army, I think he's just an absolute beast and i think that he's more than worth his 300 points in an anvil guard army i wouldn't take him pretty much in any other army but i think in this one with the combination of those two uh he's a super viable um model at 300 points um and then finally the other thing that i like is an assassin in this list so um i've got one in my list and people always ask why i've got an assassin like in these days he's actually pretty good just for backfield plays i have a unit of shadow warriors for him to jump out of in the backfield and you then you've got two threats trying to jump on objectives rather than just one um but the fun factor with him so he's already got um poison blades so essentially any unmodified wound roll for him that is a six uh inflicts d3 mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends but if you pair that with the venom fang blade every time you roll a six to wound on his he's got six attacks threes to hit threes to wound um 
essentially every time you roll a six to wound, he does 2d3 mortal wounds, um, which isn't as good as Matt Tyrrell's Kevin, the, the, the super can wraith or whatever he is. But in the game that I played against Matt, this guy almost outdid him. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the assassin with the, the double mortal wounds on a six to wound. Yeah, I mean, for 80 points and the fact that you don't have to take a battalion to get the second artifact and the fact he's hidden in any unit that you don't have to declare with scenarios where leaders can score you extra points, the assassin is super good. I've been writing lists recently with maybe even two of them um, in other cities just for that ability to go, okay, cool. I've, if it's like Shadow Warriors or something, you can drop down, you've got the objective, and then if it's one where leaders score extra, you can also just pop the assassin out and be like, cool, now I'm getting extra points. Um, but you can... There's some really techie stuff you can do with the assassin because of the fact that he yep. comes out of the start of the combat phase. Where you place him, you can kind of make it so he can't get hit, but opponents can't pile into him because your other models are closer. Um, and you can, or you can just make units really hard to pile in as well, playing with them. And the fact that you can use an artifact in this book and combine it with his innate ability. So you roll a six and you're doing 2d3 mortal wounds plus other stuff. He's really worth it, but I think he's good anyway. What about you, Smorgan? Yeah, I love the assassin. I think that's a really good pick, and that there's heaps of things you can do with him on the table. So that the fact that he comes out at the start of any combat phase, so including theirs, um, sometimes you have these situations where um, you're holding an objective. Say you've got like ten models on the objective, they go and send eleven models just within six, and then you pop them out, and you're back to eleven. You retain it because you had it last turn. Stuff like that's really good. Um, but I think yeah, we've, we've mainly covered it. It's anything that's got a high volume of attacks that's not paying for rend because any points that you're being apportioned to rend. So say something's got high rend, typically it'll cost more points. Um, so, so cheap stuff that has a high volume of attacks without rend is really good in this. Um, and then that command ability is just insane. Anything that can take advantage of that um, is is going to be good as well. So I think Amblecard's the sleeper city, like a lot of people have overlooked it, and it's I think it's it's increasingly strong in this current meta. Admittedly, I was one of those people, um, and I think I honestly think that it's it's taken a big hit with the release of the re-release of Seraphon, and then the release of Lumineth with Teclas um, being able to stop. First of all, being able to stop things board wide mm -hmm. with essentially a plus two most turns, um, and with Teclas being able to just completely nullify. So you're never going to get Vitriolic Spray off against Teclas um, because he's just going to auto deny your um, or either your spell portal or he's going to deny your actual Vitriolic Spray. Um, but at the same time, I like that because you can kind of play like, you know, gambit with your spell. Like if you know that he's going to stop vitriolic spray, you pretty much know that you're going to have a good chance of getting the other ones off um, at the plus two. So yeah, it's 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 a nice, it's a fun little game. I I, I mean, excited to play that. I, I think I'll get absolutely smashed, but you know, I think it, I think it's a uh, interesting. I was just going to say, I think there's the limit on three endless spells now limits it a bit, but I think. Basically, if you're going to take an Amble Guard list, I think you can take Spell Portal always, and I think you can take Bridge, and you can take Lauchon, and I think against that Teclas or any army that's got one auto unbind, I don't think they can stop you, because as long as you can still take Sorceresses, have loads of Darkling stuff that you can stab, like get your plus twos on all your casts, and then you're basically saying to them, pick which spell you want to stop stop the portal and make me like not take away your armor save but you could still pay the points to bridge 30 iron drakes with rent like shooting at them and just shoot them off if they do that 
or you, you there's enough points and flex in this list that you've got multiple options for casting bridge or you can cast Lauchon and Lauchon over a shooting unit um and then you you put them in a hard hard choice like yeah they can stop one but that you can you can pull together some really like cheeky lists that have got multiple important spells and as long as you can have one of them i think you can do significant damage because stuff like lumineth for example is weak if you try and hit like if you can hit it generally it can fall apart like their armor saves on their archers are five up and stuff like that and unless they've got loads of like unless they're playing in sire and they want to spend cp and start double stacking armor saves and stuff like that but again you can just afford to split fire across units force battleshock tests if you want to invest in one of those drake blood curses because again you just have to move that within 12 and then they're going to be minus two and they can't afford to take that so um yeah i, th I think i think this list and cities in general but Amblegard's definitely got some play as well it, even against those top tier kind of armies yep and i think that leads us in if you want me to me to to put my or to go through my list Yep, perfect. Is that a good segue? Yeah, Yep, okay. So, Amberguard list. The point of this list is essentially, as you'll see, skewing kind of hard to getting off the vitriolic spray um, play, um, but at the same time kind of um, leaning on the strengths of cities. So, uh, we start with a general who is an anointed on foot, because as Chris and Sam know, I love my Phoenix card. Um, so this guy's the general as he's in most of my armies. So he's got Blackfang Crime Lord uh, and he's got Hidden Agent. So the um, extra, uh, the extra D3 command points and he's got Black Marker Bounty for the extra artifact. Uh, his benefit is that he makes Phoenix Guard um, battle line. So I've got 30 of them as well, just to help him out. Uh, then we go back into the other casters. So I've got a Hurricanum because you should always have at least one of those in every list that you make in cities at the moment, uh, pending the December points update. Um, and he has the spell Sap Strength. So I originally had Vitriol Expire on all of them. However, um, again, I changed that because if you come up against the army like Seraphon or Lumineth that can dispel, auto dispel one of your um, casts, I don't think there's any real point in casting it until you've killed that model and so until then if well, you can put a double stack of minus one to hit and minus two to hit is I can't, I can't remember what the stats are but significantly better than just minus one to hit statistically um so i've got yeah so the hurricane with the celestial battle mage with sap strength and then i've got two sorceresses with vitriolic spray one of those is the adjutant uh, i've then got an assassin as uh, mentioned before with the venom fang blade and then I've also got the Dreadlord on Green Dragon with the Drake Scale Cloak, the Lance of Spite, and Acidic Blood. So that's my character lineup. Battle line, in addition to the 30 Phoenix God, I've got 10 Bleak Swords, who are the Retinue, and I've got 30 Dark Shards, um, who are just hanging out because they're cool dudes. And they'll probably be 10, 10 further Dark Shards as well with the list a little bit further on. But because 10 points extra, you get guns as opposed to nothing on the Bleak Swords. So I think that that's a worthy upgrade. Uh, I think got 10 Shadow Warriors. So they are, as mentioned before, just basically an assassin delivery uh, vector for the most part. Uh, and also, you know, sneaky backfield objective grabbers if people decide to come off their objectives. Uh, they actually were huge in my game uh, that I played against Ashes Gargans because where they popped out, it essentially made 
one of his six models that he had on the table have to walk away from the objective that they were going to take from me and come back and sort these guys out or I was going to steal his back objective which was worth more points so I love Shadow Warriors uh, there are a few people that you know think that they're not so great but for what they do I think they're amazing for 110 points and then finally two endless spells the umbral spell portal um, to get off your vitriol expiration shenanigans against uh, armies that you can get it off like uh, Osiak Bone Reapers for example it's very good against them. More tech guard with with no save. It's very sad. Um, and then finally, the Emerald Life Swarm for 50 points. So that, the, the Emerald Life Swarm is a bit of swing, and essentially I had 50 points left over, and it was extra command point, which you don't really need because you've got D3. Or the Life Swarm um, brings back models. So when you're stabbing you know, two Bleak Swords a turn, uh, two Dark Shards a turn, basically it allows you to bring them back. Um, and in addition, it can also heal the Dreadlord. So every time you heal the Dreadlord, you know, you heal him what, one wound and he's basically got 1.6 wounds back every time you heal him. Uh, and he also will then bleed more often once you've healed him back. So it just it just makes him overall more effective. Um, and that list is 1980 points as it is there. Uh, and I have been toiling on this list since the book came out because I really didn't like Anvil Guard in the beginning and I was kind of um, people that play Anvil Guard usually tend to be fluff bunnies and they tend to make lists with lots of Corsairs and lots of uh, just just junk basically lots of Hydras and Charybdises like it's all very thematic but com from a competitive gamer point of view it's it's not the most competitive city when you fill it up with Charybdises and Hydras um, and so I tried to deviate from that and go back to like basics Phoenix Guard always good Phoenix Guard even better when your opponent doesn't have an armor save um, and uh, they provide that pressure for your opponent to come into range of your Dark Shards who can also finish them off um, so yeah that's a list. I think it's good. Yeah, cool. I think also you could, to save some points, you could swap the Phoenix Guard for 30 Executioners because they have some really nice synergy with the <laughs> Dark Elf, um, like the fact that you're taking Darkling Covens, Sorceresses, and Dreadlords and stuff in the list because you can make them run and charge. And if you're going to do Vitriolic Spray, which removes an armor save, the fact you're not paying any points for Rend on them doesn't matter. So then you're still getting out your 60 attacks um threes and threes for 300 points instead of 420 and you're also saving the fact that you don't necessarily need to take the um the phoenix um anointed to make them battle line um so there's some flex there if you wanted to find extra points mm -hmm. for more shooting put in a bridge whatever you wanted so yeah i just that, that list i tried to take fun stuff as well because a lot of my, and that's i tend to be doing that like i did with my gray water list with steam tanks i'm trying to find things that are not just hurricane 30 phoenix guard 30 iron drakes bridge you know like the standard competitive list uh, that's what my hello heart list is but we can discuss that in the next city yeah cool um smorgan have you got any more comments or should we move on i think corsairs are good but that's a conversation for another day Corsairs are good, yeah. yeah. The, the, the fact they put out a lot of shots for super cheap, again, is uh, shots and attacks is really good, again, with uh, Vitriolic Spray. But... I've also been thinking of, um, and you've, you would have seen it on Twitter today, I put up my Sisters of the Watch. I think there's also they've also got legs in Anvil Guard, but um, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm making that list as we speak. So just, just, again, pure volume of shots, plus they do additional mortals. So... 
whether they're worth the extra 180 points over 30 dark shards, you know, that's the that's the question. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, let's move on to the next city, and that is Hallowheart. So I'll go through this one quickly. So Hallowheart is basically the magic city. So uh, again, must be from Akshi. I think the realm is a bit less important now that um, all the realm stuff's gone and there's only really one artifact. Um, Can I interject for two seconds? Yeah. Do you want to talk about the War Scroll Battalion for Anvil Guard before we proceed? Sure. I yeah, we should go through it. Yeah, we should. We did on the previous podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll finish this one off, and then we can get on to the best list in the entire game. <laughs> um, so, uh, Charwind Beast Hunters. So you have to take uh, one Anvil Guard Black Guard Fleet Master, three units of Anvil Guard Black Guard Black Art Corsairs, one to three units of Anvil Guard Scourge Runner Chariots, and zero to one Anvil Guard Charybdis. Uh, and the benefit that you get is that the battalion gets one to wound rolls for attacks made by units that target an enemy monster. So not so irrelevant in the Gargant meta that is coming out and the Avalonor meta and Tekla. Is Tekla a monster? He's probably a monster. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just thought, I just wanted to point that one out because it's, it's not a completely irrelevant um, battalion now that there have been a few updates to the game since we last spoke. And Charwind is the Charwind Coast which is a province to the west of Ashgui, where there are notorious sea monsters. So this, the idea is that they're hunting the monsters out in the, uh, out in the, the beach in the bay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's here for, ladies and gentlemen, is fluff knowledge. We've been joined by Narrative Smorgan. <laughs> um, One of the 20 Twitter accounts. It's uh, actually, again... Just to point out, that is plus one to wound rolls for attacks. So again, it's shooting and combat, mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. is filling it out with Corsairs. So there could be builds there if you wanted to go heavy Corsairs for high number of shots um, against monsters and stuff like that, because you get your shots and your attacks if you've removed their armor saves. So it's not <laughs> it's not terrible, but it is quite yeah. a big investment. Before the um, the points um, increases, this was a, a way that you could get max chariots in when chariots were the most well the second most or probably gyrocopters and chariots were the most point sufficient shooting in the in the book and at that time you could run a low drop in that army using this battalion and you're paying the charybdis tax but it still is worth it to, to get your down but that's not a thing anymore because it's just too expensive to run nine of yeah because you need dollars take, and points yeah and you're needing to take three to get the plus one on yeah. the champion as well right yeah. so um but yeah, it's it's okay yeah. if you've got a load of corsairs and stuff like that, you might want to take it, um, and then you'd have three artifacts quite easily as well, which is all right. But I don't think it's essential, and I don't think you'd see it in that many lists. You you probably see it in the more narrative driven lists, but the competitive ones you probably won't see it as much. Yeah, and I think to be like proper competitive with that battalion, you need to take a unit of forty, and then probably two units of ten. So you need someone that owns sixty black art corsairs. Yep. In addition to everything else, so that's probably. Few, few and far between. Not everyone's Clint. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Hallow Heart then. So again, Hallow Heart has to be from Akshi. Um, then they have Eldritch Attunement. So each time a friendly Hallow Heart unit is affected by a spell or an endless spell, you can roll a dice. If you do on a five up, you get to ignore the effects of that spell or endless spell. So that's pretty nice just to have built in the ability to shrug off magic um, on a five up. Um, then you've got Mages of the Whitefire Court. So Hallowheart Wizards can attempt to cast one extra spell in each of their hero phases. So that's amazing 
because it's literally just any wizard that you put into this army gets an extra cast. It's not that they just know an extra spell, but are still bound by their fact that they're only a one cast wizard. So suddenly you can put in like 90 point Lord Exorcist from Stormcast and have a two caster wizard for 90 points that's got a three up save. Um, and that's and he's going to know his War Scroll spell, plus he'll know a spell from this lore um, and obviously endless spells as well. Like just every wizard in your list gets an extra cast is an amazing ability. Except for um, evocators. Sad evocators. <laughs> um, and then the command ability is arcane channeling. So you can use it at the start of your hero phase. And if you do, you pick a friendly hallow heart wizard hero and roll a dice. That wizard suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to that roll. In addition, until the start of your next hero phase, you add that roll to casting rolls made by other friendly Hallow Heart wizards while they're within 12 of that wizard. And this is what Hallow Heart is always built around in terms of magical dominance. Typically, you'll always see a Hurricaneum taken, and they are the one that spends the CP, takes D6 mortal wounds, but then whatever you roll on the six, you're boosting all of your other wizards' casts by that value. Um, it's important to note that it only boosts the other friendly Hallow Heart Wizards, not that one that actually does it. So the Hurricaneum itself, if it is a Hurricaneum, doesn't get the bonuses. All the other ones do. Um, but it's it's pretty amazing. It's essentially the more you hurt yourself, you're still happy because you're boosting all your casts. So if you take six mortal wounds, you're still not dying, and all of your other Wizards are, plus, uh, are casting at plus six, <laughs> which is uh, plus six to cast is pretty ridiculous when you've got all of your Wizards are casting at least two spells each um, as well. So... As far as command abilities get, go, it's nuts. Yeah. You can get up to, I think, the best you can get is six with the Hurricanum, seven, eight, nine, ten, plus ten with Arcane Terrain and a Battle Mage in the right realm. So that's pretty oppressive on a double one you're casting on a 12. <laughs> it's amazing. So, yeah, if, if you want an army that forces spells through, this is, this is the one for you. Um, I don't think there's any army in the game that can cast as reliably as Hallow Heart. Um, but the only problem is you are hurting yourself to do it. Um, so that's where we come on to. Let's go for the spell law quickly, I think, um, because it's relevant. So Hallow Heart being all about magic is the only city in the book that gets a full spell law of six spells instead of three like the others. So there's quite a lot of variety you can get. And the interesting thing as well is you get two spells for every wizard in the army as well not just one because you choose or roll for two of the following spells for each wizard and like that's something i forget all the time because i'm just used to selecting one spell but actually all of your wizards get to know two spells as well so they can not only be two casters but they can also cast two law spells each so you don't necessarily need to cast their war scroll spells either um so we've got roaming wildfire which is on a six and it's basically pick an enemy unit within 18 they take d3 mortal wounds and then you roll a dice for each other enemy unit within six of that unit and on a four up the other units take d3 mortal wounds so that's basically it's the same spell as one of the spells on the hurricaneum but with a different name meaning you can actually cast both of them for really big aoe mortal wounds which is really nice um, then the main one you'll see is Seer Wounds. So that's a value of six as well. You pick a friendly unit within 18 that's visible and you heal D6 wounds to that unit. So you're spending a command point taking D6 mortals to boost your casting and then you're just casting a spell to heal D6 wounds. So you've kind of just got all the reward and very little risk unless you roll a six on your damage and a one on your heal. But even then, 
there's other ways you can get healing into the list um emerald life swarm for example is quite common in this city just to make sure that your hurricane or whatever you're hurting is topped up um the next one is elemental cyclone again on a six pick an enemy unit within 12 for this one and visible you roll one dice for each model in the unit that's within 12 for each four up they take one mortal wound that is basically a short range version of um the gaunt summoners spell that everyone knows is horrific against hordes but you're like oh short range except I've got an Umbral Spell Portal I can put anywhere on the board, and I'm very reliably casting that Umbral Spell Portal. So you've got easy access to a spell that absolutely destroys hordes. Um, Warding Brand, again, on a six. If successfully cast, pick a friendly unit wholly within 18 that's visible. Until the start of your next hero phase, you roll a dice each time a wound inflicted by a melee weapon is, a, is allocated to a model from that unit and not negated. On a four up, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound. So every time someone's killing basically one of your models it doesn't actually have to kill if you've got multi-wound models it's just every time one of your models takes a wound that was affected by this spell on a four up you're bouncing a mortal wound back to your opponent so that can be pretty horrific if you combine that there's some tech that i know ash will want me to mention with flagellants you put that unit on a big block of flagellants send them in they go mental your opponent kills them because they've got really bad armor everyone like every two they're killing essentially they're taking a mortal wound back and then you don't care about their battle shock and then everyone that runs away on a four up does a mortal wound as well so <laughs> you can just absolutely explode stuff by just sending some warding branded flagellants into them and just letting them hit then die then run away like your opponent will not want to kill them because they will kill themselves um the next one is Crystal Aegis, which is cast on a five. So until the start of your next hero phase, you add one to rolls for Eldritch Attunement battle trait for friendly Hallow Heart units wholly within 12 of the caster. So that's amazing because that five up ignore spells um, and endless spells roll that we talked about that the whole army has. You can cast this on one unit in the middle of your army and then everything wholly within 12 of that is suddenly ignoring spells and endless spells on a four up instead of a five up. So that's a really good spell as well. And then finally, Ignite Weapons. Again, cast on a six. Pick one friendly unit, hollow within 18. Again, visible. Add one to wound rolls for attacks made by that unit until the start of your next hero phase. Amazing. Because again, it's just attacks. So it works on shooting. It works on combat. Plus one to wound is quite rare in the game. So it's pretty phenomenal. Um, and all of these spells, the highest casting value is a six. And this city quite easily pumps out plus six to cast. So it's really good there is not a bad spell in that law all of your wizards can cast two spells and they all know two so hallow heart is really really good in the magic phase i'd go further than that. i'd say it's oppressive i think like i love this book but um th this is that this city is frustrating um it's a, it's a little bit too good relative to the other cities uh, and it's a little bit too easy to run. There's no risk and reward. Um, and, and for me, I think from a design perspective, it's really problematic. So whenever I see someone running Hello Heart, I sort of think less of them as a person. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, if you're a power gamer, if we're going to say at tournaments, and you go to a tournament and you're like, I want to win, and you have a Caesar Sigmar <laughs> collection, Hello Heart is the, is the mm -hmm. one you take. Because Nagash doesn't reliably stop you techless no, no army reliably stops it's volume you. you're, you're going to get out you. yeah. 15 spells no one's stopping 15 spells and you have so much redundancy there this that there's just that yeah super low risk super high output 
do we do we want to specifically call out Michael? I Clark was thinking of you, Simon, but that's. <laughs> I love how both me and Smorgan are basically looking at Simon, going, "Yeah, if there's any power gamers that want to win, that play City," and he's like, "Oh yeah, there's there's someone I know." <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michael, Michael, definitely not me, not at all. You definitely don't just put ignite weapons on, you know on your iron drakes and give them twos to hit with 60 attacks, twos to wound. Rerolling ones on both. That Can't sounds stop pretty the good, hey? Plus 10 to cast. Oh, techless can. That's right. Oh, wait. I just or if you I just took Lauchon instead. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Redundancy. Oh, what a Redundancy shame. is nuts. In the same <laughs> and then, oh, you've got blocks of you've got blocks of guys. Oh, and you stopped my bridge. Okay, well, I'll Lauchon anyway, and then I'll put a spell portal within six, and I'll half your hordes, or I'll mm -hmm. put an elemental cyclone through and do D3s to everything. Like... Yep. Yeah, and then you Hello, put Hello Heart brand. Insane. Yeah, you put warding brand on your Phoenix Guard and give them minus one to hit with battle mages. Like it's just uh, what a good city. What a I great. Suppose, city. I suppose the good thing is at least they can't run a low draw. Oh shit! Yeah, the battalion, yeah, the battalion actually. Take loads of wizard, right? <laughs> Word. Um. Oh, there is a battalion. Yes, Morgan. Do you want to just run us through the uh, battalion? I don't have it open, but I think it's take six wizards and give them all plus one to cast um, and reduce your drops by five. It's a pretty good battalion. It's, it's take three to three six. To six. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's so maybe you take five three. wizards and, uh, and uh, an anointed and that's yep. your six characters. And you add one to casting and unbinding for your wizards, uh, but only while they're within six of another model of this from the same battalion, which is very sad. Because we did need more bonuses to cast. That's right. Not of every model in the battalion, so you just have two next to each other, and they both get the plus one to, to cast an unbind. And then you have two on the other side of the table. They both get plus one to cast an unbind. And they, they make a distinction that it's hero wizards, so stuff like evocators, um, sisters of the whatever, um, that they wouldn't be able to, to squeeze in. No, yep. but interestingly, Sisters of the Thorn uh, do get the extra spell to cast, and they're they're a semi-viable option if you don't want to completely cheese this army. Yeah. Okay, so should we just quickly go through the command traits? And I mean, at the moment, I'm thinking it's not one drop, so what happens if, like, KO or something decides it's going to come down and, like, chip wounds off loads of my units and stuff like that and force some Battleshock tests onto me? So Is this a loaded question? Then... <laughs> Then what we do is we go, well, that's okay, because my general's a veteran of the Blazing Crusade, so everything with wholly within 18 of him doesn't take Battleshock tests. So I'm okay. 18. 18 is amazing. It's not 12 like the majority. Like te like Tempestide, which we'll talk about later, has a 12-inch one with the Patrician's Helm. This one is 18. It is amazing. 18, wholly within 18 inches, immune to Battleshock is just so good. Yep. So you can just sit your hero, basically, on your backboard edge, still have your whole army basically sitting there immune to battle shock you can't really get shot off you you're fine um so yeah i think almost every single hello heart list you're going to see competitively is going to be veteran of the blazing crusade um then there is warden of the flame which is at the start of your hero phase roll dice on a four up you get an extra command point maybe but there's certain lists because you are always spending one command point to do arcane channeling every turn that if you do need command points for other things, like say you are taking shooting that's free guild, so you're always wanting to spend a point with your free guild general, you do actually need to try and get more CP. Um, yes, you've got the adjutant 
potentially for cities to get them you could always buy one and you've probably got the extra one for the battalion so i'd suggest you're still probably okay for the first two or three battle rounds and that's probably enough for the army anyway um so you probably don't take this especially when you can make yourself immune to battle shock to save on using cp for battle shock tests um, and then the last one is the famed spell hunter. So if this general is a wizard, you add three to the roll when they attempt to uh, dispel an endless spell. And if they're not a wizard, then they can attempt to dispel one endless spell in your hero phase. So that is potentially really good if you're trying to build a list around using the bridge and then being able to reposition again, because the one thing is you don't get bonuses to dispel outside of this trait. And if you need to roll a seven naturally to get rid of the bridge, this helps you because you can get plus three. But again, I just don't think it matters enough that you just always take the Veteran of the Blazing Crusade. And it's also pretty good if you're taking Fame Spell Hunter. If your general is a Rune Lord, for example, um, that he can dispel or unbind two spells with plus two to dispel. I just want to put that out there. Like that is actually quite decent defensively for magic. And even if it does get three, you've got a five up save to stop it. So. Um, okay, so I think the last thing really to touch on for Hello Heart is the artifacts. So you've got the Aglaraxi Prism, which is subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target the bearer, which is okay. Um, not bad if you've got a small foot hero with models within three, you're immediately minus two to hit against shooting, which is quite nice because of lookout, sir. Um, second one is Pauldrons of Living Flame. So at the end of your combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three. On a four up, they take d3 mortal wounds so that's the same as the third one in anvil guard which we said is pretty trash um because again it's only your combat phase so you're probably on average doing d3 mortal wounds in the game and then the last one that is pretty much always the one you see is white fire tome so if the bearer is a wizard they know all the spells from the law of white fire instead of two and if the bearer is not a wizard then they know one spell from the law of white fire and it can attempt to cast it so that one is just amazing. If you can get a two caster, for example, that you put into the list, um, they gain an extra cast anyway. So then you've got a three caster that can know an entire spell law that's amazing. Um, so things like the Lord Arcanum on Toralon, now that he's become a bit cheaper, I think they're going to be a super strong pick for Hallow Heart because they are naturally two casters. They've got 10 wounds with a three up save. So they make a good shout for being the general or something like that to take wounds on if you don't want to take wounds on the Hurricaneum. Can I make an argument for Aventus Firestrike at this point? Sure. So in a similar vein to the uh, Lord Arcanum on Toralon, uh, Aventus is actually not a horrible choice because on for an extra 20... Is it 20 points now? I forget how many points he is. I think it's 20 points. Um, essentially, what, it, what the extra things that he gets is that he gets a second unbind compared to the, um, the other guy, which is... Oh, Pretty, pretty much irrelevant. Uh, he also gets the same, like, um, Prime Electrodes. When you're getting a plus six to cast, Prime Electrodes is good because you're doing D3 Mortal Wounds pretty much every time. Uh, but he gets the Thunderhead Crown, which is in your hero face heal, one wound allocated to this model. So every turn that he's still alive on the table, he's getting plus one to his, um, to his wounds. Uh, he's also got Righteous Indignation, which is basically the same as Warding Brand, but on a five up instead of a four, plus, a four up. And you can stack those. So if you throw him into something, you get to roll two dice every time he takes a wound. And on a four or a five, they take a mortal, uh, which is pretty freaking amazing um and then the other thing that he gets is that his command ability gives uh plus one to wound rolls um made by units so he can make himself twos and twos to wound and with a hurricane behind him he can make himself he can make himself two to hit 
as well as the two to wound. So, and he's got eight attacks. He's also got, yeah, sorry, he's also got one extra attack, um, which is a three and three negative one, two damage. So I think for an extra 20 points, he's legitimate. Yep. All good points. Um, I just wanted to say the only other thing with Prime Electrodes as well is with um, Stormcast, it's not just that the 10 is D3, the 10 for Stormcast is D6. So it's really good. You're always doing D3 mortals and then on 10 pluses, which you're pumping out pretty reliably, it's D6 mortal wounds, which is pretty nice to have as an extra spell in your arsenal. Um, any other kind of units that you think are standouts for Hallowheart? Um, any combinations and stuff like that? <laughs> Smorgan says no. What doesn't work in this city? Like, let's be honest. Like, everything is made better by the city. That's that's the thing. Plus one to wound on anything is amazing. Automatically getting your bridge off is amazing. Um, it's just, it's a great city. Um, we'll talk well, about lists. Great yeah. is, yeah, questionable. Great, great. Play, play experience for opponent, maybe not. It, yeah. It's very, it, it's very powerful if you very if powerful. that's what you want. Um, it's great in terms of its power level, but in terms of yeah, as Sam I think touched on, in terms of negative play experience and stuff for your opponent, it's um, mm. it can it can lead to some pretty bad, pretty bad games. Yep. If you lost CanCon in twenty twenty and you were looking to win CanCon in twenty twenty one, Hello Hearts probably your city. I know a prominent player was on the top tables on day two of CanCon, and um, they were playing against KO, and they didn't castle particularly well. And they conceded before they had a game. So if you can shoot off all six of the characters, um, turn one, which is what Danny did to the coach, uh, the coach needed a little bit of coaching there um, about perhaps how to screen. And um, <laughs> then obviously it's, it's a short game either way because if you get the characters turn one or turn two, it's over. And if you don't, they've, ta they've probably tabled you by turn three. Yeah. That's actually why I think that the Algoraxi Prism, if you take the Battalion and get a second artifact, I actually don't think that it's a horrible choice. Um, just a minus one to hit on something. Mm -hmm. Or if it's a foot character, a minus two to hit with Lookout Sir is actually fairly decent and gives you kind of a leg up against like the KO matchup. Not the Lumineth, because they just mortal wound you off. But, you know, against KO, it gives you a little bit extra of leg space. Yeah. Okay, well, I will quickly run through an example list um, that I've done that I've called Cities of Sigmar, Hello Heart, Simon. So um, this will be to his delight. So what this is, is a Celestial Hurricane with a Battle Mage that um, has Seer Wounds, but would also... I'm not going to go through all the spells because you can pick whichever two you want, but as long as one of them, and you're going to have at least two of your Wizards, no Seer Wounds. Um, then you've got a Rune Lord, who's the General, and he is a veteran of the Blazing Crusade to make everything immune to Battleshock. Um, you've got a second Rune Lord, um, and he has got the Aglaraxi Prism that Simon just talked about, so he's minus two to hit against shooting if he's within three of any of his dudes. Uh, then you've got a Lord Exorcist as the Adjutant because he's 90 points for a two-cast wizard with a three-up save. Um, and he's got the Whitefire Tome, so he knows the whole lore. And then I've got a second Lord Exorcist, again, because so good um for points and then um i've taken the white fire retinue um battalion because it lowers your drops gets you the extra pluses to cast etc and that second artifact and then for my battle line i've just gone 30 iron drakes 30 iron drakes 10 long 10 long beards uh and then my endless spells i've taken the soul screen bridge Lauchon, and the emerald life swarm and that comes in at 1990 and that, what a great list. <laughs> that list is 
basically as oppressive as you could get um, with this army. The only way to make it more horrific, which you can do with that spare 10 points, is swap the Life Swarm for um, the Umbral Spell Portal so that Lao Chong can go anywhere and then disappear back to anywhere. Um, but yeah, you, you basically can't shut that down. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, yeah, so you can send across 60 Iron Drakes shooting... 120 shots that can be easily hitting on twos. One of them can be wounding on twos. Uh, yeah. They can they can each have rend two, or if one of your units wants to have rend three, they can. Um, you've got long beards, so they can reroll ones to wound as well. Um, you've got your hurricaneum to give you boosts to cast. Um, you've got the adjutant for extra CP. You've got two rune lords for plus two to unbind your bridge and louch on if you need to reposition. It's um, yeah. What it's a great pretty- list. What an amazing list you've written. Coming to a table near Simon soon. <laughs> no, so my list, which is similar, uh, actually has 30 Phoenix Guard instead of 30 Iron Drakes, and the rest of the list is pretty much the same, um, except I go for Bleak Swords with a Sorceress, so you can get like you know up to the plus 10, 12 to cast. Um, but Louch on Soul Screen Bridge and Geminids. That's a pretty potent combo. You're spending a lot of money on endless spells, but in this list you can afford to because the only the only spells I reckon in this army that you really need to cast are Ignite Weapons, Warding Brand, and Seer Wounds, and that's it. So you only really need to cast three lore spells a turn, and the rest of that you can chuck out doing whatever the hell you want, really. Your endless spells, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that that's a that's a mwah, beautiful list. <clears throat> Okay, any final comments for Hello Heart, or should we take a quick break and then come back with the final C, which is Smorgan's favourite, Tempest Eye? It's it's a loaded question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in here again because people need to know how excited I am about anything to do with cities. So I'm just going to run through a quick list. So this is, I talked about Aventus before. I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of show him in here. Um, I've made a list. So this is this is a list that I played in a tournament that Chris and I played in together uh, and it was an okay list but then as as chris mentioned previously aventus got brought low by mortal wounds from blight lords which was very sad um but essentially you got aventus um with a lord arcanum so uh on griff charger so basically aventus can go wherever he wants the lord arcanum can follow him around and stay within six inches of him to give him the bonuses to cast and to heal him with seer wounds if he needs to um, and uh, can also do the... What's the thing where they save them when they die? Uh, cycle of the Storm. That's what I'm talking about. So he can cycle Aventus if he dies, because I was very sad when Aventus died to a single mortal wound from a, a Blight Lord. so I thought I needed to counter that somehow. And so with Ride the Winds Etheric, you can basically be very aggressive with Aventus, with the Lord Arcanum sitting behind him, who can also back him up with Spirit Flasks and stuff if he needs to. Uh, the rest of the list is fairly straightforward. Uh, General um, Anointed, uh, an Adjutant Battle Mage, and then a Hurricanum with Battle Mage. And then the Battle Line is 30 Phoenix Guard, 10, 10 Freagle Guard, 10 Freagle Guard with the Whitefire Retinue. So it's a five-drop list. And then you've got Emerald Life Swarm, Geminids, and Everblaze Comet. So that list is a little bit less oppressive. Um Still oppressive because it's it's in Hallow Heart, but you've got some fun models there and you've got some centerpiece. And people would have also seen my Aventus, which has just finished being painted, and he is a beautiful model. So, yeah, I just wanted to get that in. You can play fun lists in oppressive cities. I'm, I just want to put that out there. Okay, cool. 
Right. Well, I think there we'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will talk about the final city, Tempest Eye. And we're back from the break. Right, let's do it. Let's talk about the final city, Tempest Eye, Smorgan, knock our socks off. Tempest Eye, atop the mountains. Oh, you want the rules or the fluff? What are we, which are we doing? Um, This is... (laughs) Do it, you do it. You do you, Smorgan, whichever you want. This is the best city. This is the most fun and the deepest uh, and has the most competitive builds. So this one's got um, alert and forewarned. So all units in the army add three to their movement in the first um, battle round and they add one to their save rolls as well. So stuff is more durable and stuff is fast. Um, They also have the outriders of the realm. So they add one to their run rolls uh, for Tempest Eye units. So you're getting plus three movement and you're getting plus one to roll, uh, plus one to run rolls. Uh, They've got the standard contract. So that means that one in four units can be Caradron Overlords. uh, And that's really relevant because KO have um, some really great units from a, a city's perspective. So things like the Arcanaut Company, um, things like the Gun Hauler, the Navigator, lot, lots of viable units that, that they can include. Uh, and then their command ability is called Rapid Redeploy. So what this one allows you to do um, is to pick a Tempest unit within 12 of the hero, um, and that unit can shoot even if it runs. So they've got run and shoot available as a, as a command ability as well. So across all of those rules for the city, they've got a combination of things that make them faster, more durable and more versatile in terms of when, when and how they're able to shoot. So um, super deep, super versatile um, battle traits. Then the command abilities include the Aether Guard Captain. So he adds one to charge rolls for friendly units that are wholly within 12. Um, Probably not that relevant because We'll get to the the second and the, the clearly the, the best of the command traits. This one's called Hawkeye. Add one to wound rolls for attacks made by missile weapons uh, by friendly Tempest Psy units wholly within 12 of the general. So what that means is you um, have this massive bubble, 12 inches. Any shooting inside that's a plus one to wound. There's a heap of viable shooting units in the city's book there's a heap of viable shooting units in the ko book there's a heap of viable shooting units in stormcast so across the three books that you've got access to that's a really amazing um command trait and one that i I don't really think i've ever written a ko list that doesn't have it um i mean this 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 final one swift as the wind is the general can run and charge and it fights at the start of the combat phase potentially if you're trying to run a, a fighty um, Tempest list, uh, and you would have had maybe access to, um, I don't know, other fast units that were going to be getting into combat and fighting. You, you might think of this, but but pretty typically, I take Hawkeye and I'd assume you guys both both start your list with whatever the general is with Hawkeye. Yeah, I think 99% of the time, 
that's it. It's general with Hawkeye. I think if you are, as you say, going to maybe do the fight first, would be probably if you're taking a fast mage um, hero like a Lord Arcanum on Toralon, and then you're also taking a big block of combat Endrin Riggers, um, just because of the synergies you can do with one of the spells mm-hmm. um, in terms of making those Endrin Riggers a bit more outputy to be able to go with both units before your opponent can go. I will counter your 99% of the time with Hawkeye and raise you 100% of the time because if you're not taking Hawkeye, stop playing Tempestai. All right. So I think Hawkeye it is. Then in terms of the um, spells, as Chris mentioned, there's a spell called Aura of Glory and this spell is amazing. So it's cast on a seven. If successfully cast until the start of your next hero phase, add one to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Tempestai units while they're wholly within 12 of the caster. So if you think about something like an engine rigger, it's hits on threes, wounds on twos, uh, rend two, damage d3, but it's only got one attack. This doubles the output of those. It's it's really fantastic. It's This spell is better than the Hammer Hall um, command ability. So the Hammer Hall command ability allows you to fight twice. So if you've only got one attack, this actually gives you double the output, but you only have one activation. Um, so it, it, it's really great. Um, there's a heap of units that it's viable on, and it can also be stacked with things like the Warden. So in Tempest it's really common to see a heap of Dwarfs in um, and you might have something like unit of hammerers with a warden king with this spell getting plus two attacks um, and, and just putting out a heap of damage. Can I just point out that this spell is also um, quite good on even Iron Drakes? Was it against you, Chris, that I played with the Iron Drakes with um, Aura of Glory on them? Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah, because you're like buffing them, they're getting bone, bone yeah, to hit. So you're combat giving them well, yeah. two attacks, they're threes to hit with. Um, their mailed fists uh, with the Hurricanum nearby, and they will always be near the Hurricanum. They reroll and they wound on fours with reroll ones to wound, and the rend from a Rune Lord just applies to all their attacks. So they're actually a two attack, threes to hit, fours to wound, one rend, one damage combat unit in Tempestai. They're amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, the spell's amazing. I mean, Eindrex it's pretty great, good. But... Yeah, if you get it off, the great thing is you're not picking a unit to put it on, it's just mm-hmm. a bubble. And it's until your next hero phase as well. So if you potentially are going first or whatever, get ball position, move up, do some damage, try and snipe off some important characters, but then you get doubled, all your like combat stuff or normal troops just getting extra attacks. Um, so like you say, yeah, even even um, those Iron Drakes, they get they can gain rend for their combat attacks. Suddenly they're two attacks each. Like they're not bad to take a punch either and dish one out in combat. Yeah, I think it's a really great spell, um, and that's something you, you typically build your list around as well. The other two spells are actually quite good. Uh, they're just they're not affecting the army the same way the first one is. So the second spell, Strike of Eagles, um, cast on a seven. This one's great because of the range. So pick an enemy unit within 30, um, then roll six dice for each four plus. The unit suffers a mortal wound. So 30 inches typically is going to give you that reach to punch out and get little support characters. Um and th- this is the sort of spell that's um, really risky for your opponent to leave because if you spike and hit, you know, five, four ups, it's five mortal wounds. So um, I really like that spell. When I was running multiple casters, which is something I've moved away from over time, but when I was running multiple casters in Tempest Eye, um, that this was a spell that I would typically have um, just just sort of 
as a uh, an afterthought you just sort of add it in and go okay that's an extra threat to add to the list uh, and then the final spell is celestial visions um, so this one here is if you successfully cast um, you receive an extra command point so it's cast on a seven as well <laughs> probably don't need it with the adjutant um, this is a, a city where it's not uncommon to take the battalion and and i would argue maybe the, the the strongest build or one of the top builds for this city is if you do run the battalion so uh, i don't know that there's a great need for extra command points but if for whatever reason you had a a, a list that invested or, or required a lot of command points to be effective then then sure that that's fine as well yeah i think good point as well like striker vehicles like you say the range is super important because normally spells are out of range turn one mm-hmm because that 18 inches and again with cities we're always going to say you've got umbral spell portal which can go anywhere so if you do just hit a wizard and like you say you spike you can one just kill it outright if you spike that's like low wounds or if you do three or four to it then you have another like you've got a hurricane or something in the list then you just can put your spell portal up go for a like um like comets um, Comet Cassandora or something like that or Chain Lightning hit that unit to finish it off for D3 and hit stuff around it because you know you've already spiked on your on your um, Striker Beagles I think KO are a massive threat in the meta at the moment and anything you can do to hurt their characters is is massive so if um if that extra if that extra range um because they're typically going to give you first turn because they want to play for the double themselves if that extra range means you can be putting pressure on the the navigator or the chemist then that's great yeah fully like those two heroes if they're if they're in the mornar build around the navigator mm-hmm. trying to stop combat armies charging them which you're probably not going to be charging as much in tempest eye um or they're going to have the chemist trying to chuck a um, warp lightning vortex or something at you. Like you mm-hmm. say, they're both they're both five wound heroes that you can basically just try and ping off if they do give you that first turn. And and it is a risk that they have to kind of go, do I want to do this? And this is one of the reasons why I love Tempest Eye in the current meta. So against Skinks or against KO, you've got that plus one armor save on the first mm-hmm. turn. And so there is actually, like, not so much against Seraphon, but against KO, they have to think about giving you the first turn, especially if you've got, like, the Bridge or Laocon, which they probably aren't going to be able to dispel. By giving you the first turn and playing for the double, they're really, like, running the risk of just losing key models. Like, you can quite easily remove um, an Ironclad just first turn. Easy. Um, plus or minus whatever's inside. Um, it's just it, the, the amount of output that this army can put out in one turn is insane. Um, and if you if you can maximize that, you, you're really playing into the meta with Tempest Eye because there's a lot of shooting in plus one armor save, especially on Iron Drakes, which first turn go up to a two up against ranged attacks. You're countering that Zench play, which also, again, have you know a lot of shooting and they get to go first majority of the time and the KO as well. So, yeah, Tempest Eye is a strong pick in the current meta. Right, and their artifacts um, sort of lean into that even further. So if you get um, if you get Alfred, you've got that plus one armor save, and then the, the artifact is the Patrician's Helm. So units don't within 12 don't have to take Battle Shock. So wholly within 12 of the bearer, it's amazing. Um, chuck this on your buff wagon, it's got a big, a big, um, base and it wants to be close to your units anyway uh, and that gives you really good coverage and it means that I- even if you don't start the game with a command point uh, you're relatively safe um, in, in terms of the, the damage you're taking the battle shock not wiping you out there uh, the other artifacts are, are the seer stone amulet so it's another way to get command points so on a four plus I, I don't have a build in mind 
that's um, really thirsty, that really wants to to get through a lot of CP. So I don't know why there's three different ways to generate CP in this, but that's fine. Um, and then the the final one, the Zephyrite banner is you can reroll charge rolls um, for friendly Tempestai units while they're wholly within 12. So if you think about it, you're getting your plus three to move, you're getting your plus one to run. So if you can get units that can run and charge and then they can reroll charges. And then earlier on, we had the other, the Aether Guard Captain um, command, uh, command trait, which was the add one to charge rolls. There's conceivably ways in Tempestai you can get units, you know, infantry units charging 32, 33 inches um, in the first term, which is is pretty good, and I think that there there probably are some builds there um, that shy away from shooting, but have like 150 to 200 wounds and you know 150 models, um, and that that they try and get a board presence and and that they try and win the game um, in different ways. That they're probably not as strong as the shooting builds, but they're they're certainly still viable. Having um run and shoot units, uh, sorry, run and charge units put in your army as well is also really good because you've got that command ability to make units run and shoot so suddenly you've got the ability to run shoot and charge um as well so like anything that has a dual role like fire slayers or something they've all got their armed like axes um and so they've got the ability with eight inch range axes to throw it's gonna add up like it's a little bit of extra chip damage and then they can charge and obviously like even just your normal um volkites they've can then throw shields as well in the charge and it would feel really like fast um and they're kind of running across the table in your, in your face maybe um surprisingly and also just putting out quite a high volume of shots as well or dracothian guard yeah i was thinking desolators so there's the build where you run six desolators they get plus two attacks for being a unit of six then you use that spell for an additional attack um, and they're able to, if with a Heraldor, they're able to run and then shoot with their mortal wound shooting and then charge. Um, to me, that that feels like a really cool unit. Their base movement is only 10. So if we go base 10, then we add three for turn one, add one to runs, run six, so all of a sudden they're going 20. Um, and then just if, if you had taken um, the Aether Guard, whatever it was, the plus one to charge as well you could potentially be going 33 inches with them uh, and typically they're a unit that you know just is, is movement 10 so that that's a pretty good threat range yeah and i think that the zephyrite banner the reroll charge rolls is particularly relevant uh with the war scroll battalion as well if we wanted to segue into that because that's a list that has been going around and has been discussed a fair bit um recently um so you've got I'll just go through it now. You've got a Tempestai Free Guild General on Griffin. You've got three to six units of Tempestai Free Guild Outriders or Tempestai Free Guild Pistoliers and zero to two Tempestai Grunstock Gun Haulers. uh, And the ability is that all of those units uh, can retreat and still shoot and or charge later in the same turn. And so Pistoliers that are retreating, shooting and charging and then shooting again, uh, if you've got all the buffs on top of them, the pluses to hit and and wound um, with the command ability with a hurricane nearby like that's that's quite significant output that you can get from those units of and like you don't need the the patrician's helm if you do that because you've got these msu units of five pistolers mm-hmm. that are doing like quite significant work just by themselves they're yeah. really i mean they're really you, fantastic because they're battle line as well aren't they and um the the outriders have got the 
run and shoot natively, so you don't have to use command points for outriders. Um, and if they're outside three of your opponent, then they get plus one shot. So you can retreat out of combat, run away, shoot, get a heap of shots, get plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Um, that, that I think they could put in a lot of work. And then the pistol is on their war scroll, they fight after they've completed a charge, um, which is obviously shoot. real shoot um, after they've completed, which is even better. Their shooting profile is better than their fighting profile. Um, yeah. They shoot after they've completed a charge, which is obviously awesome as well. But again, you put Aura of Glory on, and because they're guys on horses, it's plus two attacks in combat. So if you're fighting rubbish stuff, Aura of Glory, they can shoot all their pistol shots again when they charge, and then they can fight, and both the dude on top and the horse is going to get an extra attack. So even just five guys is going to get an extra ten. Um, so it can it can stack up, and there's it's a super mobile army that yeah can put out a huge amount of shots. I'm just going to correct myself quickly. Apparently, Pistillas already have reroll, run, and charge rolls. So, the Zephyrite banner doesn't help them. <laughs> but, but still, still good tech. Pistillas, they're good. In and even just that Griffin, he's probably the tax in that battalion, but he's still he's a good like, tax, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's cheap enough and fighty enough that getting the plus one save and plus three move in the first turn as well like that puts him on a two up save and he's got a lot of wounds he's really fast like he can he can go in as well he's got a really good command ability so it's a bubble and it's the plus one to charge and plus one to hit or is it just plus one to hit now i can't remember yeah hit and charge it but i think it's only on certain units that get the um the bonus it's just free free guild units so all your pistols and outriders get it because they're all free guild and they're wholly within 12 of that hero. Like, it's it's legitimate, and he is tax, but he is good tax. Yeah, so yeah, again, actually, if you're charging with all those, even if you charge with those pistoliers, if you've got a fast mage or something that can keep up, they're getting plus one to hit for all of those guys in combat with the extra attacks. They'll actually put out a surprising amount of damage. And that'll pair yeah. up with the um, the Hurricaneum as well, so that the... All of a sudden, they're three attacks with their swords, three attacks with the horse, uh, plus two to hit. They're actually going to do some work in combat. Yeah, which is surprising um, because you just you wouldn't be expecting a lot from them. And the outriders are surprisingly good as well if you don't need to move. Um, like you can you can put a free guild general into this list as well for the like. If you want to play with a bridge, you can actually take them as well in this, given that you're taking them in this battalion. You can get the pluses to hit, pluses to wound, and then they make D three um plus one shots if they haven't moved anyway and they've got 16 inch range and rend so they can easily be even five dudes puts out on average um 15 shots um for 100 points at rend um with rend twos and twos um and then can also move very very quickly to reposition or just mm -hmm. shoot run charge if you don't get bridge yeah you've got a think of outriders and i've been doing this recently as an alternative to handgunners because they have pretty much the same output uh their to hit rolls are worse um but they can have a higher output and with the hurricane it's yeah that they're, they're pretty good because they're a lot more mo more mobile um than handgunners are obviously um and i think that you can make an argument for the seerstone amulet if you're going to run that battalion because you don't really need the patrician's helm because you're running msu no. pistol mm -hmm. uh, and you don't need the zephyrite banner because apparently everything um re-rolls charges anyway that you want to be charging so you could you could just take the seerstone amulet and get your extra command points for you know just popping the, the command ability on the on the free guild general yeah which is going to be good and you're probably going to take the realm artifact on the general then just to make his weapon slightly better 
because you're getting two if you're taking the, the battalion, obviously. So I think that list comes down to being like a Griffin 40 to 50 um, in in any combination of the the riders uh, and then probably um, a Hurricane and an Azeros. I think the Azeros is really important in that list because you're getting the opportunity to shoot multiple times. Um and he's obviously his 10 inch bubble is anyone within that, that area is getting Rira once to hit and then giving him plus three to his movement and plus one to his run um, means you're able to get him right up in your opponent's grill. Yep. And don't forget the, um the two, the two gun haulers as well in that battalion because gun haulers in Tempesai with, with um, Hawkeye are mint and with yeah. Hurricane, they're, they're twos and twos. But Rear I also two. think, I also think, yeah, the hurric- um, the strength of the gun haulers there and the KO is that you can, if you're going to take engine riggers, it also gives you the reposition um, for late game and stuff like that, and you can hitch rides with your um, like balloon boys with the um, gun haulers because it's all rules that are on their war scrolls. So the gun hauler can redeploy each turn nine away, and then if the engine riggers are within range, they can go with it. So you're able to actually like redeploy significant amounts of your army as well. Um, or if someone tries to sit really far back, like they go, oh, I'm going to sit back outside of your maximum charge range because you still have to get within 12 to declare a charge. So someone can try and work out what your maximum range is from moving and trying to charge and then sit back in a corner. You can just be like, well, I can just teleport these gun haulers nine away and then still try and make the charge. So you sure you want to do that? Um, so it gives you some options. Um, but yeah, that's that's all of the rules um, and allegiance abilities for Tempesai. So Smorgan, I'll throw over to you if you want to take us through a list. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. So I, um, as I mentioned, I think that the top list here is probably still just going to be Iron Drakes. Um, and that's that's what I was running uh, in the lead up to CanCon last year. I was running Iron Drakes and Arcanaut Company when you could take multiple of the, the same big gun. So I think I had um, 40 Iron Drakes in two units of 20 and then 30 um, Arcanaut. And that was enough shooting. In all my practice games, that was enough shooting to table my opponents pretty quickly. Um, and it wasn't dissimilar to Hallow Heart. And ultimately, I didn't end up playing that because I changed the KO book close to the event. Like, KO shouldn't have been allowed in the tournament, but say la vie. Um, we live and we learn. So that's, that's in my mind, that's still the strongest build. I think then the tier below that is the Pistoliers, and then maybe the tier or two bit tiers below that is the list I want to talk about, which is the the one that I've been preparing in ISO here. So um, it starts off, it's got a Sorceress as the general. Um, she'll take that plus one attack spell, I would imagine. Uh, and then as the other wizard, it's got a Battle Mage, and he's from the Realm of Ulgu. So what the, the Realm of Ulgu allows you to do um, is something to do with movement. Let's open up the Battle Mage's scroll so that I actually get the rules right. Oh, Simon, do you just know them Know them by heart? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Mystifying Miasma yeah, 1, they yeah. subtract. You subtract two from charge rolls and they can't run. Perfect. Subtract two from charge and uh, they can't run. That's the that's the one that I like. So um, we've got the Sorceress um, who's got a debuff to hit spell natively and then the Battle Mage who's got the thing to slow you down. I've also then got a Navigator who has um, a way to slow you down. Um, a, 
a rune lord because I think I think the rune lord, if you're going to run any dwarfs, is just essential. The dispelling at plus two, um, the ability to give the after save or the extra rend, um, it just is such a great utility piece at ninety points. Um, and the way that this general's handbook privileges characters, I want to get as many of those um, small characters in as I can. And another thing people say at the moment is that with um, the lumineth and with the um, Seraphon that the the you know they've got a short lifespan these five wound characters but I think you want to give um I think you want to give your opponent as many decisions as possible and you want to make that choice tough for them so if you start running five or six they can't kill them all in a turn or two despite what the internet says um and you have an opportunity for you to then use your buffs and debuffs as well. So um, I've gone with five little characters for this list and the final ones of Rune Smiter, who starts off the board anyway, and he's going to come on with um, 20 Volkite Berserkers. So this list is built entirely around heroes and battle lines. I feel like it's pretty strong in the current scenarios. Uh, and the battle line are 30 Ironbreakers, um, who at 270 points with a two-plus save in the first turn, they're brilliant. Um, their one deficiency is speed, but they're, they're typically going um, movement four, plus three for Tempest Eye, plus one for their Muso, plus one for Tempest Eye running um, to get them up to, you know, nine inches base and then whatever you roll on the D6. So, you know, you, you can reliably have them 12 inches up and then they're in the middle of the board anyway and you go whichever direction you need to for the rest of the game so it's just about getting them up there using that speed initially and then working out what they need to do um 30 long beards at 240 long beards aren't real these guys um you know innately are going to be giving probably reroll ones to wound um but they they could also be giving extra bravery or they could be dispelling endless spells. So they're awesome. Um, they come at 240 for 30 of them. Um, the great axes just give you that REM 1, which with the Ruin Law, getting it up to REM 2 is really significant. Uh, I've then got 10 Free Guild Guard. They're just there to um, act as the retinue and give me some extra saves for my Sorceress. Uh, 30 Executioners and 30 Arcanaut Company. So I love the Executioners. I think at 300 points, they've finally hit a, um, a price point um, where their their rules, and in particular their, their special rules and their synergies with the Sorceress, make them a really, really tempting choice. Um, they're nowhere near as durable as 30 Phoenix Guard, obviously, um, but they have a completely different role. So these guys are able to punch out mortals uh, and they're able to go 31 inches in the first turn. So with the, the run and charge, um, that's just unreal. And it can mean that I can put an enormous amount of pressure on it or it can mean that I can pin in the opposing army and just lose 300 points worth of executioners over the next turn to two turns, but not care about it because I'm scoring elsewhere and I'm getting really good board presence. Um, and then to that point, the final unit is 20 Volkite Berserkers who pop up with the Rune Spider. And the Volkite Berserkers are amazing because it's 40 wounds. Um, if it doesn't charge, it's on a four-up save and it's babysat by a character. So it just does so many different things. Um, and again, it's only 280 points. So if those guys die, I don't care. So basically that, that rounds out the army. It's 1950 points at the moment. So I've got to make a decision about whether I want to get the Life Swarm in, uh, which I think would be a really good spell for this list, um, or about whether I want um, a Triumph or a Command Point. So that's just the, the final choice to make. And it's it's 195 wounds. Um Nothing in the army is great, but everything is good, and I sort of like that type of build. Yeah, it's, and it's loads of bodies as well, mm -hmm. like loads and loads and loads of bodies. Um, and like you say, it's fast, and you've got that ability to just kind of create multiple waves. So mm -hmm. even if if your opponent takes just more than one turn, 
to get through your initial unit that runs and charges at them it gives you another turn to basically just push stuff three inches behind it and have a second wall so that they can't move through until they then deal with that unit as well so yeah it's it's really good Lo loads loads of wounds loads of bodies and like you say it's all it's pretty much all battle line and he heroes as well it is Sorry. all battle line literally um so <laughs> the execution is with the command ability from the sorceress um that's a unit that i'm just really interested in at the moment i bet you when i've played a few games with them i'll hate them but um in on from a theory hammer perspective they're a really cool unit yeah Nah, me and you i think are on the same same wavelength at the moment because I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm also looking at executioners of the sorceress and the, what you can do with running and charging um and stuff and yeah i think especially if you've got multiple sorceresses and life swarm as well even just to get that extra bit of range from yep yeah stabbing stabbing them which is yeah some i think some tech that you you kind of mentioned yeah we're keeping that secret on the cast but that's all right chris we'll, we'll share our an easter egg um <laughs> i can edit it's fine no, no no it's cool it's cool i'm just joking i think um what i like about that as well is that there's an an element of redundancy because quite often city plans are contingent on getting off the boat or getting off the bridge and they don't need it they can auto run six they can auto um that they can auto run and charge so I, I like the fact that you can just do that um with zero risk that that's nice and, and 30 arcs as well as the other unit i want to talk about um the more i play with arcs under this book the the more impressed i am uh, both in mixed order, KO, in cities, whatever. They're just amazing at 90 points. The output that you get um, at, from that that shooting, it's supposed to be just like um, little chip damage or whatever, but it's actually not. Um, the Just the, the sheer volume of attacks um, and the different, the different profiles there make them amazing and them getting plus one to hit if they're near a, an objective now um, is, is such a significant change. And I think arcs are the best battle line um, in the book. I think probably arcs and um, the Phoenix Guard are the two best choices um, and closely followed by Iron Drakes. So um, the, the fact that you, you're able to get them into to this city and they're part of the city and they get the city's keyword is massive. Yeah, and normally the the weakness with the Arcanauts is you're like, oh, nine inch range on those pistols. But actually, when you start doing the math in this with the ability to run, shoot, charge, get pluses to your run, auto run six, etc., like, and the plus three move as well, like their threat can actually, in a twenty four apart, you can quite easily be hitting with all of those guns. And like you say, every city's list is going to have a hurricane a minute as well. And then if they're within range of an objective that you've run them up into the middle of the board and then you've got plus one to wound you're getting two shots of dude that are twos and threes and they're 90 point battle line mm -hmm. and they've got a three up save yeah unreal. <laughs> the value is bonkers yeah it's really good um any other kind of standout units that you you reckon would fit into tempest die outside of what we've said about the battalion and kind of this list if there's anything we haven't touched on that that works really well in tempest die I think obviously prosecutors. Um, this is the the this and Living City are the the two cities that benefit that probably give them the, the greatest benefit. Um, and then the other one is just Endron Riggers. Uh, if you can take Endron Riggers as battle line, I'm I'm trying to work out a list that maybe is the um, the boy in the suit and then 24 Riggers and then just see what 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 else fits in. I think having a mobile um, gun line would be really amazing as well. 
Um, so yeah, it's, I'd probably say those those flying shooting units that are actually good. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad um, units that have a little bit of auxiliary shooting, but both riggers and prosecutors, I think you could build a list around. Yeah, and that that's the thing with cities. The more you like deep deep dive into it and every six months you're getting new points changes and stuff like that there are so many units in that book and all the different cities is you can pretty much find a place for everything so mm -hmm. that you, it's kind of the army that never like that doesn't really have a bad choice in terms of models to buy um, it's just bad for your wallet like it's constantly yeah. <laughs> adding you're constantly adding and adding and adding and adding <laughs> yeah it's the army that's finally made me go how do i find a commission painter because i need i need like 80 free or 100 free guild models that i just don't want to paint um i've got a friend in poland if you need someone we know about you propping up poland's gdp yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i want to answer your question do it then can i please answer I your question to. what unit what unit is good in where do, where do we start? Gyrocopters aren't a bad option, but there are much better options. Um, Vanguard Raptors, so typically they're hitting on twos and wounding. Is it twos, twos and twos threes? And threes yeah. I'm pretty sure it's twos and threes. Yeah, so twos to hit, threes to wound. So there's a lot of ways to buff hitting in this army, but there's only really one way to buff wounding, and that's these guys. Um, so if you can take nine mm -hmm. or 12 Vanguard Raptors, like that's huge, um, cause you're hitting up twos, wounding on twos. Um, the other units I want to point out, are Caradron units, I mean, all you've already said prosecutors, they're also obviously good in the list, but I think mm -hmm. the Vanguard Raptors are the standout from Stormcast. Obviously Castigators will be better, but nobody plays Castigators until their War Scroll is reviewed in the Marathi book, which hopefully will make them viable. Um, then... Caradron lists, oh, adjudicators as well, they don't really count. Um, but obviously, plus one to wound with range attacks makes them better. And then finally, in Stormcast, I need to call out um, uh, Seller Star Ballistas. I think Chris was on the receiving end of my Seller Star Ballistas. So when you can take a Lord, uh, Lord Ordinator and a Hurricanum, they're hitting at 18 inches on threes with their four shots. And then all of them are wounding on twos. So. Uh, with minus two rend one damage, so they're actually like their output is insane in this list. Um, and I've and my favourite list that I run in this city has two um, cell star blisters with an ordinator, and that's my three stormcast models. Um, and that's only because I don't own Vanguard Raptors just yet. They're coming. They'll be here soon. Um, and then finally, um, there's another list that I've got, which is Birds and Boats, which is basically an Arcanaut Ironclad with 20 Grunstock Thunderers that go in it um, with an Endra Master General with Hawkeye. So basically, you've got a mobile firebase um, able to move around. You can't fly high. I've considered taking out five of the, um, the Thunderers to make it able to fly high. But when you move 10 inches, does it really matter? And you're moving 13 on the first turn. Um, my, my answer, my rhetorical answer, my answer to that rhetorical question is no. Um, and so you just basically, you can move 13 inches and you can shoot with plus one to hit on everything in the boat and plus one to wound on everything in the boat as well, um, which is an absolutely ludicrous amount of firepower. And once I get my ironclad from Poland, um, I will be playing that list because it's, it's good fun. The best, the best thing with that is that 
because you've got the ability to spend a command point to make a unit run and shoot, what you can do is if you've got the command points is you can actually just run the ironclad, use the six, so it can auto run seven, mm-hmm. and then you've moved it 13. So it can actually run 20. So in like a 24 apart, it's sitting basically four away from your opponent, but you've only had to spend one CP to make it run and shoot. So it can still shoot all its guns. But the amazing thing is with all of the KO stuff is the stuff inside it doesn't count as running. So you've just <laughs> you've just planted twenty um, of those thunderers four inches away from your opponent. Haven't had to spend any CP on moving them twenty inches, and they can still shoot. So yeah, that that can work. Yep, absolutely amazing. <laughs> what great synergies the book has! Completely wasn't missed by the rules designers at all. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really good. I think it, Tempest Eye is probably the main city that we've seen people trying to play if they're playing cities competitively outside of the absolute power and oppressiveness of Hallow Heart, um, because Hallow Heart is the other city that can get plus one to wound because it casts a spell, um, and just gets cool. I've got that plus one, but it's not in a bubble, so it's still not quite as good. Um, but what I really like, I think, about your list in particular, Morgan, is that you've we, you kind of the definition of Tempest Eye has kind of become shooting because of that plus one to wound for shooting but actually you've basically taken a full melee army with some shooting that surprisingly adds up but actually Mm -hmm. you've got a huge amount of melee dudes and it still works because it's really fast and also just durable yeah i think um i I think there's probably going to be because i hadn't considered that boat build there's probably going to be five or six competitive tempest builds and I, I just really love that i think that's a sign of really good design um and obviously i'm super excited to see what happens with the um the shadow stalkers because there, there could be a new tempest build based around them as well which is, is cool it'll be anvil it'll be anvil guard only anvil guard only <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, cool. I think that pretty much takes us to the end of the book. Um, the only thing is, obviously, between this show and the previous shows we put out is we've had a new GHB, um, which has significantly kind of impacted the game in terms of new um, scenario developments, in terms mm-hmm. of leaders, battle line, monsters, scoring, um, and the points tweaks. So I guess from your two perspectives, what units or is there anything that you really saw as something that pivoted um, for cities lists from pre GHB 2020 to post GHB 2020, like any units that you didn't really consider, but now you you do consider them, or just in terms of general army composition, like any any points. I'll let you go first, Morgan. All right, I think dwarfs across the board um, received significant enough point reductions that you're going to see them on mass. So the the iron breakers and the um, the iron breakers drop sixty, which is massive, and the the long beards drop thirty. So um, that that's really big. I think the the prime dropping forty points is potentially a trap. You maybe um, with the exception of, of Simon's build, which is the um, you know, the Hammerhall um, Prime, you're probably not going to see him, but he's potentially something that's going to see more more playtime at, at 40 points less. Um, and then the, the other thing is just the, the those chariots going up because I do think um, for a brief period of time, the, the, 
those chariots, whether spamming sing- single models or whether spamming max units with the, the good champions was a really, really strong build uh, and one that a lot of people, I think, underestimated. Um, but obviously that's that's been stamped out, which is really funny because re- I think it did well at CanCon and probably that's about it. But clearly there was potential there for that to, to, to do some crazy good stuff. I think, I think Hayden Walker played it on TTS, didn't he? I was going to say it was a, it was a TTS thing because yeah, 18, 18, 18 scourge runners, runners no one had in real life, mm-hmm. did they? Um, but yeah, that was that was a sign of things to come. So yeah, I'm quite glad <laughs> that changed. Um, yeah, and I think I think the change needed to happen, but at the same time, I don't think you really take scourge runners anymore but as i said i've got three of them i'm going to try them in a in a tempestide list eventually um but yeah i think they kind of got nerfed into oblivion i think yeah I, well i still think they're good for their points if you look at them in a vacuum oh, yeah, if, you just, if you just look at them they're really good but when you consider all of the other options you've got in the other cities like ko in general any city that you can put ko into aka tempest eye is going to be so much stronger for the fact that ko are an incredibly strong book now and they got mm-hmm. point drops across the board so those arcanauts and stuff like that being 90 points in tempest eye the engine rig is like loads of the stuff in ko is just su- super good in tempest eye yeah um since the new since the new points um yeah. which will probably go back up at christmas let's just put that caveat in there because i think they probably have dropped them too far yeah there's some stuff that i think um like the iron breakers 60 points mm. is is a huge points drop and so they're very they're very efficient now but that being said not that many people have the old kind of dwarden stuff where you didn't yeah. really see it much and it's because it's not shooting and it is just wounds and combat it doesn't have ward saves and stuff built in it doesn't feel maybe as oppressive as some of the mm. other stuff so i also don't I don't expect it really to change because even with it being super cheap and TTS not mattering about point like about owning models, it's not like we've just seen the Ironbreaker mare suddenly appear where we're we're facing hundreds and hundreds of Ironbreakers on the table. So I kind of think they're fine, um, and I still think there's units in the book that can come down um, for their points. Like Sisters of the Watch, they still universally seem expensive when you look at them. Um, Although some this weird thing happens I've been looking at recently where if you take loads of them and basically just do an entire list with them, then they suddenly seem like they're too cheap because of when you realise what the army does, um, it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be able to do 160 shots and then stand and shoot and do mortals <laughs> with all of this. Um, so points with this book can be a bit weird just because the internal synergies are so massive. Um, yeah, that's it. And I think a special shout out needs to happen for the GHB 2020 changes for the Caradron Overlords, um, because we directly benefited from that as well. Um, and, you know, gun haulers previously at 150 points were, you know, oh, do I take them? Do I not take them? Now at 150 points, I think they're better than, you know, the, the alternative, which is the Hellstorm, um, Hellstorm rocket battery. I think you take a gun hauler every time over a, over a, um, hellstorm and my list changed to reflect that as soon as ghb 2020 came out so my poor four hellstorms that i have went back on the shelf it's very sad times yeah and also the stormcast drops i think were quite were quite significant 
um, for cities. Um, like we said, with the Lord Exorcist being a pick for a wizard, for example, um, even just liberators and stuff like that could actually, they, I think they might have a place as well, just being dudes like Tempest Eye again is probably the sort of thing like Smorgan for your type of list where you're just trying to put bodies that are battle line down with good armor that can move at an okay speed like actually 90 points for 10 wounds that can sit on a three up save isn't suddenly isn't that bad um so yeah there's there's quite a bit there um but i think i think yeah you kind of touched on the main composition i think we would have said in the earlier shows is that whenever you've got those spare 60 70 points or whatever you were slotting in scourge runner chariots and i think that's that's kind of changed that's changed now and it's the the flex in the list has become probably more stormcasty kind of wizards or stormcast units and more ko where you can put them um is there anything that we think is kind of the main thing i think with cities that we that the book will struggle as um as a whole in terms of the new scenario scoring is um lack of kind of monsters mm -hmm. and behemoths is that something that you guys have kind of tried to consider given like focal points is such a big scenario and the, the the extra points you can rack up for that from monsters or behemoths it's interesting because while they they don't have typically you don't have lots of monsters and behemoths or almost all cities lists have a lot of good ways to deal with monsters so it, it's I, I don't really feel like you're at a disadvantage um for instance if a monster goes up and tries to can contest one of your objectives in focal points or the center objective it's almost always going to be in range of fine drakes or something similar that just take it off so they get plus one point for one turn and then they die yep and i think that most lists will have either a um an anointed on frost heart or a celestial hurricanum if not both uh, and both of those are behemoths um, and leaders so i think that that's um, a pretty good flex in a list where you've got scenarios that need leaders and scenarios that have behemoths um and you one of the strengths of cities i think is that so many of your models can be battle line so in the context of ghb 2020 you've got scenarios that only score with battle line only score with heroes or um get extra points for scoring with those models and i think cities uh, well until lumineth came out i think we we're in a really good position um i think that lumineth puts you in a difficult position because they can basically remove one of your heroes every shooting phase with one unit of um sentinels and so as much as i don't like that from a competitive point of view being on the receiving end of it i think it's actually quite important in the current shooting meta that they that they can remove your buff models um and so your stuff is less reliable um but i think definitely since the release of lumineth it's been a little bit harder for the um for the cities because um, they've got typically they've got very squishy five wound characters yeah i'd agree and i think the only thing with that is i'd say that um lrl sentinel builds they will be able to yeah take out some of your five win heroes I, I think sam's right if you take five or six they probably can't reliably get all of them um and you can also use that i think to play um and put your heroes at the back and yeah they've got like a 36 inch threat but you can make them deploy forward and come deep to try and get to them and then even if they do kill them i think especially like i'm starting to try and move away from bridge builds or have you, you can't just have bridge i think you need to have something so the units that let you either be super fast or run and charge run shoot charge so that you're not reliant on it lrl i think especially the sentinel builds are too kind of squishy 
that you don't actually need your heroes to get all of your shooting and stuff to twos and twos most of the stuff's pretty easy to be threes and threes anyway and if they lose four or five models like from each unit they just will fall to battle shock even if they've got a cathalar or two like i think the key against them is that you just chip off four or five models from all their units you just watch their army disappear because they don't have that many cp cathalar can stop one or two sure but it just doesn't i don't think it really matters so i think if you can keep yourself immune to battle shock or just have units that are pretty self-sufficient like the heroes are nice to have but you've just got the bodies on the board that are able to do their thing as long as you've got one resilient hero probably to spend the cp to auto like to make your sixes yeah uh, your runs auto sixes and stuff like that or to give you run and charge so that's where i'm starting to think actually the sorceress on black dragon i'm actually starting to look at her a lot more because it's giving me a behemoth she's uh, 14 wounds on a five up instead of the the little sorceress she can be faster she can get away you need her whereas before i kind of wrote her off um but now i'm starting to find uses for her um for that kind of stuff so um i think i just think cities is so good and it's in i think it's in a stronger place from ghb 2020 as well than it was before and i still think it was in a strong place before I reckon you're right with the the one notable exception being losing those realm artifacts. I think that particularly the the Gyran artifacts, um, I think that that hurts, hurts some compared to builds. But really, if, uh, maybe it just shifts them, I don't know. But I, I liked having the four, four plus save um, against Mortal Wounds. That yeah. was really good. And that would be really good against Lumineth, but the Salave. One of the big things that I actually was going to run before this dropped and all the the realm artifacts went away was the thermorider cloak on a hurricanum so that you can keep up with your you know your teleporting gun haulers or ironclad um so i think that's definitely going to be missed in my tempestide list but i don't think it's going to be too bad because you can still run and shoot the hurricanum so i built one out of the um the 40k dark eldar um, I think it's called like a Ravenger or something. And because my army is themed from Xandri, it's in the desert. It looked like one of those things from Return of the Jedi that sort of oh, float across the sand. Yeah. yeah. So I'm super sad because that never got on the table, but I've, I've, I've got enough hurricanums, plural, um, that it's not a problem. So good. You just need to get some Vaseline under your like opponent's glasses and be like, look, it's skimming, it's skimming across. <laughs> oh so good all right i think that is a good place to wrap um that kind of concludes our big big deep dive into city so i want to say a massive thanks to simon for joining me on every single show and smorgan for the end i think this has been a particularly great episode um you've both cities players through and through and got heaps of knowledge so thanks for coming on and, and sharing all the gems with with our listeners um and yeah if you've got any final comments where can people find you follow you Simon. Uh, so I am Zweihander Hall. So Zweihander is the typical name for the greatsword weapon, even though greatswords are shit. That's looking at both of you. Um, so Zweihander <laughs> Hall, H-A-L-L, um, at Twitter. Um, also, you can watch some cities battle reports that I record on Simon's Order Academy on YouTube. Um, oh, yeah. I, I hope, yeah, I hope yeah. you called it. I hope you called it Simon's Order Academy. Academy. Ooh. No, but I'm going to change it now to that. Um, okay, I want royalties. T copyright yeah, TM. <laughs> yep. And um, I just want to make special mention that we have two more cities coming with the Marathi book, 
which is pre-release this weekend. So I think we should reconvene for another episode to do the final two cities after this, including Lethus. We should talk about Lethus, shouldn't we? It's not really. Lethus is actually good. I've been reading Lethus recently. Oh, There's hundred percent on the Lethus bandwagon. Yeah, like, Lethus is good. I'm I'm yeah. I'm okay to talk about them. Okay, cool. Well, there we go. We've got Misthaven, uh, Harkuron, and Lethus for the next for the next episode. Awesome. Um, you can find me at at Dwellers Cast or at Araby Rises, um, and numerous other ats, But those two are probably my primary mains. I think okay. Mark's Smorgan's my favourite. That's that's he's, one. That he's the cleverest. That's definitely yeah, yeah. he's. Uh, awesome okay right well you can always find me at wounded mortally um so stay tuned thanks for listening and keep your ears uh, and eyes peeled we may be back with a party <laughs> thanks guys see ya see ya